Wait, Jen, can you do it on me? I have chronic knee and back pain. Yeah, my back hurts right now. Yeah. You got some in your backpack? <laughs> I actually do. Do you, do you I, actually? I actually carry them around with me. Welcome to the Pre-Vet Podcast. I'm Alex Avellino, your tour guide on the journey to becoming a veterinarian. Listen along as we provide you with tips, tricks, and tales on applying to veterinary school. Welcome back to the Pre-Vet Podcast. I'm Alex Avellino, and today my student is a senior. Can you believe you're a senior? I cannot believe that I'm a senior. Right now you're hearing Jen Zhang. Uh, Jen is a senior at the University of Florida College of Veterinary Medicine. We'll be graduating in the class of 2022 in a few short months. I know, I know. Is the Navali on your mind? It is very much on my mind. <laughs> are, how are you preparing? Um, I'm doing vet prep. Mm-hmm. So I have the three-month schedule, and I'm basically doing that except with some modifications. So I'm predominantly small animal. So large animal is definitely like an area in which I need to focus on. Sure. So honestly, like I think right now if it was just small animal, I could pass. Yeah. Yeah. It's the large animals and the exotics I need to focus on. So I've taken out all the like cats and dogs stuff from the three month prep and I'm only focusing on horses and cows right now. I've never heard of anyone doing that. Oh, really? That's brilliant. Yeah, because I like I was doing the practice questions for cats and dogs and I'm like, I think I can do this. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, wonderful. I love that. Go ahead and tell everyone you where you did your undergrad and your major, and maybe a little bit about yourself, where you're from. Okay, okay, yep. I'm from Sarasota, Florida. I did my undergrad here at UF, so I've been here for almost eight years now. Um, I majored in biology, which is like super typical, but I did minors in nutritional sciences and sociology. And honestly, if I could do it over again, I would have majored in nutrition and then minored in sociology and did some kind of like public health disparities, I think that would have been really good. So if you're undergrad and you're listening to this, look into that because it could be cool. More interesting than biology. Tell me why you would have done it again. What, like why you would have made those changes. So I honestly just chose biology because it was like the easy choice. Most people did either biology or animal sciences. Um, but I personally really love nutrition. Like I like nutrition for myself. I like nutrition for pets. Like I think it's a really underutilized tool for like both species and yeah. health. Um, and I'm still interested in nutrition. I actually considered doing um, board certification in nutrition when I was an undergrad for veterinary. Um, I've since changed because I, I really love GP and I want to stick with GP, but like that's why I really liked it and that's why I would have changed. Um, and I think like the sociology and public health disparities, I feel like that just would have added like an extra touch of education as opposed to biology. I mean, if you're if you're in a biology major, you just know it's very standard. Most of the classes, while you have to do it for your prereqs, it's not interesting. Like, it doesn't add anything to your life, to be quite honest. So I think those things would have actually added to my ear paying for an education. You know, you want things that you want. Yeah. You actually like. I I love that you're bringing up that they have the option of not choosing biology or choosing animal sciences. You could choose something that you're purely interested in. And I 100% agree. Yeah, for sure. For sure. I think our main topic today, Jen, is going to be involvement. Okay. You have gotten involved in multiple certificates. You're the president of a very involved club on campus. So I want us to kind of break down those experiences for the listeners. I want to start with pause. Sure. And you mentioned public health disparities. And I feel like there's something to that with pause because tell them what pause is. 
Yeah, so PAWS is an acronym, actually. It stands for Pets Are Wonderful Support. And it's named that because we provide free veterinary services. And I'll get into all the services that we do provide. But everything is free, and it's for people who live in Alachua counties, people with disabilities, and who also live with low socioeconomic status. So if you think about it, when you're going through something really hard in your life, you want your pets to be with you. And often the barrier to that is access to health care. And the barrier to access to healthcare a lot of times is money. So we provide, so the services we do, um, general practice primary care, we provide food for all of our clients and patients. So it's Hills, uh, Hills donated food. Um, we provide acupuncture, we provide dental services, and we also provide minor surgical services. So if it's like a mass removal or something like that. So that way they can keep their pets with them um, as they're going through all the challenges in their life and they have a support system because a lot of our clients, honestly, like their pet is their support system. They don't have anyone else mm -hmm. in terms of humans um, to be there for them. And we see this when they need some extra help with their pets. They're like, I, I, I don't have anyone else. Mm -hmm. the, my pet is my only support system. So that way they can keep their pets with them. They don't have to worry about that. And it also provides a learning experience for the students at the college. So we host monthly uh, monthly, monthly clinics and um, the first and second year students act as technicians. And then the third and fourth year students act as student clinicians. And it's all facilitated by several veterinarians. Um, the most notably is Dr. Stone. Um, and it's a great way for the third and fourth years to teach the first and second years uh, about clinical skills, about certain disease, um, pathophysiology, um, and then for the first and second years to get hands-on experience with technical skills while the third and fourth year students can practice their clinical skills. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, it, it makes total sense that you were drawn to this club if you were already interested in health disparities because that's something that we learn about in, like, the health disparities field is, like, money is a huge barrier to getting what folks need when it comes to care. And that goes along right with pets. So if someone's coming from a low income area and they don't have access, they're going to go to lower quality options for healthcare. And y'all are providing high quality, free veterinary care for these folks. So I, it's a beautiful club. I think so too. And the other part is also the disabilities themselves. Mm -hmm. So we have several clients who are deaf and we are able, so my co-president Devon, he knows ASL. And then one of our clinic coordinators, um, who's a second year, he has interpreters. So we're able to provide that type of um, communication mm -hmm. for our clients as well. And I think that's really important because I've worked at a couple of vet clinics before vet school and those were never services that, you know, regular private practice clinics could provide mm -hmm. even. Right, right. Yeah, I mean, it's expensive. So even though normal, like regular GPs, they might want to provide that service, they might not be able to. So the fact that UF can provide it is awesome and make sure that those clients get the care that they need. And they also feel included in the community. Inclusion is yes. a huge part of that. Yes. Okay, so it sounds like a wonderful opportunity for our students and for our community. So much communication is required in PAWS. I know that y'all have to call clients all the time, and I think it's great practice for students because sometimes those phone calls provoke so much anxiety for students. So I'm really glad that they get an opportunity to practice that. You seem, like, fairly comfortable with communication. I think I am, and I think, honestly, that that came from helping with PAWS. Um, you know, and for I think I can speak on the millennial and Gen Z generation, most of our communication, if it's through our phone, it's through text. Mm. It's not verbal. So even with um, 
I was a tech before vet school, and even switching between triaging a patient or just collecting a history for a patient in person is so different than doing it on the phone. Yeah. Because a lot of what you can ask the clients is based off of what you can see. Mm -hmm. But, I mean, phone is just so important because if you're working in an ER, a lot of people are calling in mm -hmm. to ask if they even need to come to the ER. And it's really important to be able to speak with them over the phone and then also collect a detailed history enough from someone who might not know what to look for and ask them to look for those things, I've realized is really important. So, um, yeah, I think it's a it's a skill that needs to be honed. Very, and honestly, we've honed it really well in terms of my class because we had um, a lot of our rotations through COVID, so it was curbside. Ooh. Yeah. Ooh, interesting perspective. Yeah, yeah, because your class was the first class when COVID hit going into clinics. Like, mm -hmm. that's when we had to readjust all of clinical schedules. Um, the seniors were on there, but the seniors from 2021. But for y'all, it was, like, starting from scratch. It was. And it was all phone histories. Wow. In fact, it wasn't even just histories. It was, like, relaying the diagnosis, the workup, everything was wow. over the phone. Wow. Yeah. So pause really prepared me for that. But but it's not just me, you know. Like, I think curbside is going to be – it's going to stay around. Mm, you're so true. You're so, so right. Uh, yeah, everyone needs it at this you're point. You're right. You're right. That's probably going to be something that COVID has affected. Like, this is just what we do now. Mm-hmm. You mentioned acupuncture is one of the services y'all provide for pause, And you are involved in getting the Chi Institute certificate. Yes. Talk to me about – Eastern medicine. Walk us through what this is. Oh, I love it. So I actually got into veterinary medicine because of acupuncture. Um, you know, when you're like high school and you're just like, oh, I want to be pre-law or pre-med. I was, I was that kid who was like, I'll just do pre-med because that's all I know. And so um, I happened to visit a family friend who was a veterinarian and he did acupuncture on this golden retriever. I still remember the moment because I was just like, oh my gosh. I think this is it. Like, I just felt something Ooh. inside of me where I was like, I think this is what I want to do. And that propelled me into, like, this entire journey. So I just love it because, so my background is Chinese-American. And so growing up, like, I didn't know things like Neosporin or those kind of types of things. My mom would say things like, okay, if you're feeling this way, drink some warm water. Or if you're feeling this way, then this is how you should change your diet based off of Eastern medicine. Mm -hmm. So, like, that culturally was what I grew up with. Um and so it was something that was very comfortable for me, but also something that I just saw a lot of benefit for in these patients because Eastern medicine, so acupuncture specifically, it is considered minimally invasive. Like the needles are so, so tiny. They're tiny enough that when you dispose of acupuncture needles, you don't even have to sh throw them into the sharp spots. Hmm. We do just, you know, out of precaution, but if you throw them in the trash, it's okay. And so it's just an extra um, tool in our kit in our toolkit that we can offer patients. Um, so my primary interest is in patients with chronic pain. So in dogs, that's osteoarthritis a lot of the time. And so the primary modality for pain control in osteoarthritis is NSAIDs. And I think that's true for human medicine as well. Mm -hmm. But you might know this, but NSAIDs, um, using them long-term can cause a lot of changes in your body. It's not great for the liver. It's not great for the kidneys. It's not great for your stomach. So NSAIDs like ibuprofen. Ibuprofen, right. Mm -hmm. Ibuprofen, those kinds of things. And so a lot of times, and these are older patients, mind you, so they already probably have some comorbidities. Sure. And so using them long-term, a lot of them can't do it because of their organ uh, status. So acupuncture is a great either adjunctive therapy or sole therapy to be used in these patients who can't tolerate other therapies. Um, and you can actually use acupuncture to decrease their, their NSAID dosage. Um, 
And I just find it, so that's on the patient side. And then on the veterinarian side, I just really love it because you get these you get these long-term clients and sometimes you're really, really great friends with them. Mm. So for Paws, I have a long-term client uh, who I work with and we're honestly good friends. <laughs> um, he comes in every two weeks. I do acupuncture on his dog and um, and I'm we're so comfortable with each other that I was comfortable enough to give him my number, my personal number, and he's very respectful of boundaries and everything. And it's it's honestly such a great experience because I think as a student, it's very rare for you to develop long-term relationships with your clients because rotations are only two weeks yeah, long. Yeah, exactly. You know, you usually only see your patients one time, or if they happen to be um, going to multiple services, you see them these other times, but they might be a patient for, for another student. You're yeah. not working directly with them anymore. Right. So I've known um, this patient and this client for, I think almost a year now, mm -hmm. um, just me doing the acupuncture and then longer since before she was on acupuncture. So it's really, I love this experience as a student and I'm really looking forward to more of these as a veterinarian Yes, um, because I value that. I value having long-term relationships with clients and being friends with them and being able to like discuss things with them when they're, they're comfortable and they trust me. Um, so personally, that's why I really love Eastern medicine. I'm so glad you've realized that because that helps make your career decision easier. You mentioned that like you think you want to do GP, you're going to have that relationship with your clients because they're yeah. going to keep coming back to Dr. Zhang's clinic, you know, to get that acupuncture or get those wellness exams. So that's huge. Yeah, no, it, it really is. And I, I already know that a lot of GPs have that really intimate relationship with their clients and their patients. And I just think acupuncture puts it on a whole nother level mm. because like it's another type of um, typically the clients who also look for acupuncture or the clients you can educate on acupuncture, they become really invested in it too. And it's really fun to be able to talk to them about it. Yeah. And they love, and then you can give them things that do at home to like massage certain acupuncture or acupressure points. Um, so it's really fun. Like, I feel like it's just like a good conversation to have with people. It's another important distinction that if a client is willing to pay for acupuncture mm -hmm. and then do the work at home, they really are invested in their pet. Right. So that's a different caliber of client. And it's yeah. important for students to understand what kinds of clients do they like working with? Does the Qi certificate do more than acupuncture? What else does it teach you? Oh yeah, so there's a different. There's a lot of different certificates that they offer. I did the small animal acupuncture certificate, but there's also herbals. There's also the mixed animal acupuncture certificate. So there's a lot of different ones. I want to say they also do a like twin now, like at like a like kind of like a chiropractic one. Um, don't take my word for it, but I think they offer something like that. The two most popular I know are the acupuncture one. Um, there are only um, there's only two locations in the entire United States that offer this type of certificate. The other one is in Colorado. So if you're looking to do this, your options are Florida or Colorado. <laughs> I always forget to include that as a draw to our program. Like yeah. we have the Chi Institute. How many miles away is it? It, like literally down the it, street. It's, it's in like town. Down, it's yeah. in town. So students, if you're getting excited about this, one, I'm going to tell you, Google it. Mm -hmm. Google the Chi Institute, C-H-I. Um, look it up. And like how Jen was mentioning that they have different types of certificates. You can see what they have to offer. If this is something that interests you, Florida might be a wonderful option for you to get exposed to that. You are doing the business certificate. Yes, I am. Why? So um, 
I think business is just so important in veterinary medicine. A lot of people like hear business and medicine and they automatically shrink away. And I understand why. It's because, you know, ide ideology-wise, I agree. I think medical care should be free. But it is not in this country um, on the human side and on the veterinary side. And so with that and with everything that goes on in our field, such as mental health, good working conditions, um, supporting staff, not just veterinarians, but technicians and assistants and kennel staff and receptionists, CSRs, um, I think the business side is just so, so, so important because as a practice owner, as, as someone who is in charge of the business aspect and you're directly in charge of how a clinic is run, you impact the life of the lives of all the people who are affiliated with that clinic. So your staff, your clients, your patients, um, you have direct responsibility over how patient care is run in your practice, how your staff is being treated. So um, one thing that I think a lot of people don't know is that um, technicians, for example, so we talk about how veterinarians don't get paid a lot. Technicians don't get paid a lot. And there are certain areas in the country where a technician's pay is not enough for them to live in that area. So they literally cannot afford to work with where they want to work. And I just think that's really unfortunate. And as a business owner, I think you have direct power over changing that. So like my, my vision for my future practice is that I want a practice that supports the patients, supports the clients educationally and emotionally, and really, really focuses on the staff and their they're like investing in training, investing in good salaries, investing in um, in them. So if they want to move up, they can, and they have the resources to do so, and they have they know that they have the support of the veterinarians at the practice to do so. I think a lot of our listeners are going to want to come work for you because this <laughs> sounds like a very healthy, very um, supportive client uh, doctor relationship and veterinary technician doctor relationship. Uh, I think you're going to get a lot of a lot of folks wanting to come to the clinic after this podcast. Oh, thanks. Well, I'll let you know. Is there a reason why you think that's your vision? Like, did why is that your mentality? I I really value interpersonal relationships. I really realized that when I was in veterinary school. So, like, uh, kind of like a short backstory. I when I went into vet school, I thought I had a really good support system. And in that first year of vet school, I realized that support system wasn't as good as I thought it would be. And I, like over the past three, almost four years, I kind of rebuilt that system in a way where like now I'm like pretty confident in it and I just love that. And as a student, so that's really important to have your kind of like your friends, your family, that type of thing, right? But then when you go out into the workplace, you need that with your coworkers and the people who you work with because you're spending, as a veterinarian, honestly, you could be spending 10 to 12 hours a day at that location. And so um, that's something that I think is really important and um, I did work full time as a tech before vet school and like seeing how much time I spent there, I just realized that that is something that is really important to me as someone who's working. And I know that's really important for other people, like my classmates and my friends, we talk about it all the time, how we really value that. And so I want, and so the option is, is you can find a place that offers that to you. And I think that is a completely viable option. I just want to be able to create it if I can't find it. So, and I think a lot of, in that way, like you do that for yourself, but you're doing it for everyone who is also going to be working for you and working with you. Yes. Uh, yes. I love it. I really, it just sounds so proactive. It sounds, honestly, it just sounds super woke. Oh, like thanks. very much aware of what needs to happen. And this is the kind of mentality 
all vets need to have to change the profession. It's going to help with the compassion fatigue, the burnout, the mental health issues, the depression, the suicide. This is how we do it. Oh, for sure. And I think more people are on it now um, and because we have the knowledge and we have like the awareness. So I think it's being, it's going to change um, as this new generation of veterinarians start to have the ability to do so. Mm -hmm. I agree, I agree. Okay, so we talked about PAWS, business certificate, CHI certificate, any other big ticket items that you're involved with? Um, I was uh, a student rep for a couple of positions, so Hills, and right now I'm the student rep for Alliance Animal Health. Um, I think if you are a student, who is looking to go to UF, or I mean, honestly, any other vet school. But if you're looking to go to veterinary school, I highly recommend those student rep positions because when you get paid. Yes, you do. You get paid. And um, we all know that we need that. Mm -hmm. If you are someone who has an income before vet school, it is really hard to go to vet school and have no income. Um, yes. So so yes. I think it's really important to find that kind of just, I mean, it's going to be impossible. Or it's going to be really hard to make as much money as you did before school, but Ooh, super almost impossible. Almost impossible. So having just a little bit of trickling income, like pay for it's utilities, nice. It's nice, yeah. and the networking opportunities. Yeah, and the networking opportunities. So and like learning it. So once again, I was talking about how I really love nutrition, um, and that's why I wanted to be involved with Hills is mm -hmm. because I wanted to learn more about the nutritional side of like the prescription diets, but honestly, any diet. Um, so they invited me out to go to their pet nutrition center and that's where we saw like all the diets cool. being made that's cool. and that is super cool. So like these are things that you get to be involved with when you're involved with these types of organizations yeah. and you can choose one that you enjoy. Like if you enjoy the pharmacy part of things, there's like the Zoetis. Absolutely. Um, if you want to, so Alliance Animal Health is a corporate office and I want to learn more about corporate. So like you can learn it through there. I think the Banfield has something. I'm sure too. they do. Yeah. So so yeah, get involved with those and you get to meet veterinarians. I love Dr. Otero, who is my supervisor for Hills. Like she honestly, like we had a phone call the other day and I'm not even the Hills rep anymore. Aww, so, so she's amazing. Yeah. I mean, you end up getting mentorship out of it. And you get mentorship And connections. Out of it. And you're a congregator. Oh, and I am a congregator. <laughs> yes, I am. And, wh and what has that involvement been like? Honestly, it's been really fun because we get to do things like this. Sure. Um, we get to take trips and be foodies. We get to be, tr yeah, take trips and mm -hmm, be foodies, mm -hmm. but also just talk to um, different people who like stakeholders, but pre-vet students, um, offshore students giving tours. I think it's just kind of like reinforcing like how cool it is to be at this school and then to share that with people mm -hmm. I think is really fun. Talking to pre-vet students is super, super fun. And then I do feel like you do a good job in terms of like making us like a, like a group, I feel like. So mm -hmm. I really enjoy that too. What advice do the, does this audience, the pre-vet audience, need to hear from you as they get ready to go to vet school? Oh. I would say really invest time into the school once you're here. So get to know your professors, get to know your classmates, get to know people who aren't veterinarians, get to know the staff, get to know everyone, um, because it's a really, really close-knit, small community. Um, and then when you, when you do, I think you enjoy your place here because it's, I mean, it's four years and that sounds really long, but it's really only four years. Mm -hmm. So I know that sounds really cheesy, but, um, I think it just makes something that is seemingly like daunting, right? Like daunting to get your veterinary degree in a close knit community. I think it just gives you a place in it a little bit more. And I wish I had done that more when I was in first year. 
And so that's why I'm giving that advice, because I think if I had done it in my first year, I would have enjoyed my time even more than I already did. Um, I definitely enjoy my time, but if I could do it over, that's one thing I would change. Great advice from Jen, almost Dr. Jen, uh, to get involved, to own your education. That's what I'm hearing you say is just make it your own, but also to own it, to take advantage of as many opportunities as possible to get involved. So then when you come out as a veterinarian, you feel very confident and comfortable with the path and the impact you want to make on veterinary medicine. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Exactly. Well, thanks for being on the show today. Of course. Thank you. I'm Alex Avellino, and we'll talk to you soon.